Live WPTI, the Piedmont's News Talk and Sports Station. This is the Wealth Guardian Show. My name is Doug Ray. And on today's show, we're going to have a market update. We're going to talk about tax-efficient retirement income planning. And I'm also going to open up a different uh, topic, or actually I should say have a, have a different part of the show. We're going to have a mailbag segment where I'm going to – I get these uh, emails from uh, – from listeners from time to time, and some of them are really interesting. So I'm going to pick and choose some of these emails that I think we can all learn a thing or two from, and I'm going to uh, to read them on the air and uh, and go over the uh, the situation, and and uh, should be uh, should be interesting for everybody. We're also going to do some case studies today that kind of will reinforce what we're talking about with tax efficient planning. But first, may I ask you a question? Do you believe there's another financial crisis coming like the one in 2008? Do you want to have happen this time what happened last time? First, what are you going to do to make sure what happened last time doesn't happen again? And why do you continue to use a strategy that you already know doesn't work? Are you really going to let this happen to you and your family again? And finally, if there was no cost or obligation, would you want to know some strategies that would guarantee that you would never lose money again? What if we could show you strategies that would put you in a position to take advantage of rather than be hurt by negative events in the economy? Would you want to know this information before or after the next downturn? If there was no cost or obligation and you could get this information, would it be worth 45 or even 60 minutes of your time? Well, if you're interested, why don't you just give us a call? Let's sit down over a cup of coffee. The number is 336 Three nine one, three four, zero nine. And by the way, we've got our sh- uh, radio show on Facebook now, so you can go there on Facebook, the Wealth Guardians Radio Show with Doug Ray, and 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 like us there as well. Also, let me do this as I always like to do. Let me throw out a big uh, thank you to all of our men and women who are serving in the in the armed services for all the uh, heavy lifting that they do for us. We really appreciate the effort. Well, let's roll right into a uh, a bit of a market update, if you will. You know, if you've been paying attention, uh, you might be wondering why your accounts uh, seem to be uh, stuck in the mud, so to speak. Do you realize that if you'd put money in the Dow or the S&P 500 on January 2nd, 2000, that as of today, you would have only averaged 3.09% per year? And that's with dividends, folks. But during that time, had sustained two brutal bear markets with losses totaling 50% each time. Do you think that can happen again? If so, what will you do about it? Are you going to let it happen to you and your family again? Please don't let that happen again. We have ways to avoid such things. So let me throw out that phone number one more time, 336-391-3409. Here we are at the end of July. We sit lower than the first of the year on the major indices, and we've had a little advance since uh, August of last year when uh, when we had that 11% correction going uh, from August into October. We've got a lot of divergences in the market. I can't count them all. I mean, there's so many of them, but let me give you a few. Well, there's Dow Theory non-confirmation. That's basically when... Uh, the Dow Industrials and the Dow Transport separate and go different ways. If you're in a healthy bull market, both should be advancing. Makes sense. Right now, Dow 
transports have separated and have been declining. In fact, they're down about 20-some-odd percent, uh, and that's been going on for several months. We've got the advanced decline line. We've got higher prices uh, with fewer and fewer shares uh, making uh, annual highs. That's not bullish. We've got low volume. Well, you might say, Doug, it's always low volume in the summertime. And yes, I would agree with you, but we've been having low volume for this entire advance from the market bottom in 09. And in fact, if we look and open up the chart, uh, we can see from the market top in 2000, this whole uh, advance has been on lower and lower volume. And then if you open up the chart even more and look at that bull market that persisted from 19. Uh, 82 into 2000, that entire bull market had higher and higher volume that confirmed higher prices in the market. So what I'm telling you folks is that these indicators uh, are telling us that underneath the price that you see quoted every day in the news, the fundamentals are just not very good. Advisor bullish readings are off the charts. If you phone your most of the advisors out there, they're going to say, oh, yeah, hop in the market. The water's fine. No problem. Uh, you know, the sailing is clear. So that's a contrary indicator. It basically means when everybody's bullish, then, you know, there's very little room for mo- more monies to come in because the money's already there. And then investor complacency, that's you. That's the average mom and and pop out there who have monies in the market. You've completely forgotten about the pain you suffered in 2008. It was a few short years ago, but right now, you know, you're happy as a a pig in mud. So um, the complacency is very high. That's also a contrary indicator. Here's another one. We've had more Hindenburg omens than I think I've ever seen. They're currently active in, in my lifetime, and they've been building since last year. Now, I'm not going to go into what a Hindenburg Omen is because it's quite technical in nature, but let me suffice it to, to say this. It means that when you have a Hindenburg Omen, the technical underpinnings of the market is very fragile. And let's look at that for a minute. We've never had a major downturn without a Hindenburg Omen. But to be fair, let me say this, just because we have a Hindenburg omen does not necessarily mean we're going to have a major downturn, but they're there, and I want to point them out to you. A few weeks ago, we had my friend Tim Wood on, uh, who's a cycles analyst, and uh, we're watching his DNA markers that have been present at every single market top since 1896, and uh, there's five of them. Right now, we have three of the five in place, just like they were a few weeks ago when when Tim was on. But the other two could lock into place very quickly, very fast, and then that's game over when it happens. So I will let you know when and if that day comes. I'll do it via the, uh, the radio show or the emails that I send out on a weekly basis. And also... If you want to get on our email list, just give us a, a quick email. It's Doug at thewealthguardians.com, and you'll get our Friday email updates uh, on the market. Now, if you missed that interview I did with Tim, you can go to www.thewealthguardians.com, 
and it's right there. Just click on the radio tab, and all of our radio shows are posted there. So the one with Tim is uh, up near the top, so you can listen to that at your leisure if you want to. Well, you know, the market is definitely in a precarious state. Will it work its way through it and make it to new highs? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But I'll tell you this. Wall Street's not going to tell you uh, when the market tops out and goes down. And if you listen to CNBC, they're not going to do that either because it's just not in their best interest. They'll never tell you when it's time to go to cash. They need to keep you folks in the market so that they can keep the money spigot on. Now think about it. Did your advisor ever tell you it was time to sell? How about the top in the in March of 2000 after that big, long bull market? And then subsequently the tech stocks got killed. The NASDAQ was down over 80-some-odd percent during that crash. Did they tell you to get out then? How about back in the summer of 2007? Were you told to get out then? I bet not. Well, when that sell signal comes, I'm going to tell you. And like I said a moment ago, we'll do it via the radio, we'll do it via email broadcast, and we'll also um, uh, give you updates uh, via blast emails as well. All right. Today I said uh, earlier we're going to talk about tax-efficient investing, and I think that's an important concept. You know, when I give a, a public talk, a lot of times I'll uh, first question I'll ask the audience is I'll say, uh, do you believe taxes are going to be higher in the future than they are now? And I've rarely, in fact, probably I'll tell you, never have had anybody say they believe taxes will be lower in the future uh, than they are now. So with that in mind, if you believe that, doesn't it make a whole lot of sense uh, for you to think about how to create tax-efficient retirement income, tax-free if possible. Now, you've been planning, working hard, putting money in those 401Ks and IRAs, but let me tell you something. Those can be a tax time bomb. And when we come back in the next segments of the show, we're going to go over a few techniques that we talk about and use uh, that will help us create tax-free income along the way. This is the Wealth Guardians on 94.5 WPTI, the Piedmont's News Talk and Sports Station. WPTI, the Piedmont's News Talk and Sports Station. This is the Wealth Guardian Show with Doug Ray, where it's all about the health, wealth, and freedom you need to live life your way. Well, as I promised, we're going to talk about tax-efficient retirement income planning today, so stay tuned to that. But first, I want to introduce a new segment of the show uh, called our, our mailbag. And this email I got I thought was a very interesting email, and it comes from uh, Hank in Jamestown. And uh, it basically reads like this. It says, Doug, I just listened to the show you had with Tim Wood. At first, I almost turned it off because I thought you and Tim were just too pessimistic. But I made it to the part where you and he were talking about how folks were too complacent, had forgotten how scared they were in 2008 and early 2009. And then I thought about myself. I realized that you two were talking about me. I was that person. 
I was sick to my stomach back then. I, di- I didn't even want to look at my IRA statement when they came in the mail. Now I have the feeling all is well until I heard you and Tim. So my question is, how can you determine that a market is about to end its bull run by the way investors feel? Well, Hank, that's a good question. Uh, first, before I answer your question, that interview with Tim uh, was not meant to be uh, theatrical or impart some kind of a scare tactic uh, to you, my listening audience. Tim and I very much care what happens to you as an investor. I have seen retirees literally have to go back to work because they lost so much of their retirement funds. And it sickens me to see this happen when I know it doesn't need to be that way. And I also know from my previous experience in a Wall Street firm is they don't give a rip about you. I mean, they don't. I knew early on in the recovery uh, it it was a fake and, and it was baloney when when there was no shovel-ready projects. You know, they put all this QE, this money printing, uh, into the into the banks to shore them up. And my biggest surprise has been not that the market went up, but how long they've been able to keep up this whole charade. But I promise you one thing, the money masters out there, they can't do it forever. Now, is it over now? I don't know. Will it be another year? I don't know that either. But to answer your question, when people feel so good about the markets, it means most who will invest have already invested. There's little fresh money to come into the market to propel it higher. In fact, those that are in may even use margin to leverage their positions even more. We now have the highest level of margin in history, and folks, that includes the 1929 top when margin was even higher then, and, and I mean percentage-wise, that they can margin uh, more then than they can now. We could only margin 50% now. I think in 29, they could margin 90%. But the amount of money in the market that's owned margin is at the highest level ever. So, Hank, it's a contrary indicator. It's normally very accurate. But the opposite's true as well. In March of 2009, At the market bottom, only 3% of investors were bullish. That was the time to back the truck up and load it up with stocks. You know, Sir John Templeton, a a famous uh, investor and and, uh, the founder of the Templeton Funds, had this famous saying, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't know exactly uh, the quote, but it goes like this. When the street runs red with blood then buy with conviction. Now, folks, that time's going to come again, I promise you, because everything repeats itself in the marketplace. Hank, thank you very much for being a listener. I hope that uh, answers your question. You know, I tell you these things because I've always wanted this show to have a sub-motto to it of, uh, I'm going to tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear. And I know because of that, I run this danger of being the boy who cried wolf, so to be. But we're living through the grandest Keynesian financial experiment mankind has ever attempted. In all previous attempts, they ended very badly, very badly. And I have no doubt this one is going to be the same. Now, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I I hope the money masters out there have the equation figured out. 
but it will be a first. You know, I had a listener call in from from that same show that uh, that Hank wrote in about. He said that uh, he he totally disagreed with Tim and I. He was seventy three years old and he was fully invested. Hey, that's fine. Disagree if you want to, but you've been forewarned. You know, you just can't solve a debt problem with more debt, folks. It just can't be done. All right, let's move on to some uh, some tax and income planning. Now, before I get into this, I always want to say this little disclaimer here. You need to, uh, before you implement any of these uh, strategies, you need to talk to and consult your tax advisor, your CPA, or your accountant to make sure that it's that it's right for you. I am not a CPA. Uh, and uh, but I do have some some good strategies here that might be employed uh, in 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 your case. So let's take a look at the uh, uh, the 1040 return a little bit. Let's dig into uh, how we compute taxes. In most cases, everyone listed on a return is entitled to an exemption. The exemption in 2014 was 3950, and then this year uh, it's four thousand dollars per. Person, so a husband and wife with no children are entitled to two exemptions valued at four thousand dollars each. That's eight thousand dollars a couple. That basically means this: they could make eight thousand dollars of fully taxable income, and the two exemptions of four thousand dollars each would eliminate entirely the tax on that eight thousand dollars of taxable income. So in twenty fourteen. A married couple of 65 and over also had a standard deduction of $14,800. Now that climbs to 20 in 2015 this year to $15,100. So a single person had a standard deduction of 7750 last year and if they were over 65 this year it's $8,100. So the numbers for standard deductions are lower if you're under 65. For singles in 2015, the standard deduction is 6550, and if you're married it's $13,100. Finally, if you itemize your deductions and they are greater than the standard deduction, that can increase your amount of taxable income that can be offset. So why is this all important? Well, it's important because if we want to create some tax-free income for you, we can employ this tax schedule here to create some conversions from your regular IRA to a Roth. So hang in there. Bear with me. Let me give you an example. A couple over the age of 65 filing a joint return would have a standard deduction of $15,100, and then if you add the personal exemption of $4,000, that's a total of eight, add the two together, you now have $20,100 of taxable income each year that can be exempted. Does that make sense to you? All right, now that's laying some groundwork here. So what does that mean in the long run? Basically, what that means is this. Let's say you're 65 and you live to life expectancy of 85. So if you employed a strategy every year where you could, say, convert a 401k or a Roth uh, or your uh, IRA to a Roth IRA for 20 years, 
at $23,100, then what you've done for your family is you have converted $462,000 and eliminated tax on that. Now, doesn't that make some sense? Let me ask you this question. Who can spend that $462,000 better or more wisely, you and your family or the federal government? Who would you rather have that $462,000 go to, you and your family or the federal government? All right. So what we like to do uh, when we're sitting down and doing income planning is if you believe that taxes will be higher in the future, we really like to take advantage of doing the Roth conversion strategy. And one of those ways employing this uh, use of the itemized deductions or the standard deduction and the exemptions is also incorporate something called a bracket bump technique. Now, a bracket bump technique basically says this. It says not only do you do the uh, deductions of $23,100 and take advantage of that, but you also convert enough to get you right up under the next marginal bracket. So over time, you get your 401ks converted to Roth. You can't do it all in one, one year. It'll take some time. But doing so will get the conversion process done with the least amount of taxes due. And let's talk about taxes for a minute. Right now, the highest marginal tax bracket is uh, is 39.5%. I like to ask folks when I meet with them what the highest marginal tax has ever been in this country. Most people don't know the answer. Occasionally I have have a few that uh, that know the uh, the answer to that. But the highest tax it's ever been, the highest marginal tax rate has been 90% right after World War II. And even as recently as when Ronald Reagan was sworn into office in 1982, the highest marginal bracket at that time was 70%. So if it's 39.5 now and it's been as high as 90, then don't you think there's the potential that our politicians could raise taxes even more on us? I think it's quite likely, especially if you look at the uh, the way the debt uh, is being built up every single year. So given that, I believe it makes sense for folks to think seriously about converting monies to a, uh, a, a Roth IRA. Now, you know, I'll tell you this. In my experience, if you go and, and you talk to your CPAs about it, most of the time they try to wave you off from doing that. And, and I don't think it's – let me say this about them. I think it's because CPAs are so focused on – uh, preventing uh, extra taxes today, they lose sight of what taxes can be in the future. So you really do have to have a forward-looking um, type of uh, approach to this. If you really believe that taxes will be higher in the future, you need to have a serious conversation with, with me, hopefully, or, or your advisor about doing a conversion. Well, in the next segment, we will come up with some more um, situations and case studies about conversions and some strategies there. This is The Wealth Guardians with Doug Ray on 94.5 WPTI, the Piedmont's News Talk and Sports Station. 
94.5 WPTI, the Piedmont's news, talk, and sports station. This is the Wealth Guardians with Doug Ray, where it's all about the health, wealth, and freedom you need to live life your way. Today we're talking a whole lot about taxes, retirement income, and how to create as much tax-free retirement income as you possibly can. Let me ask you a question. Because income taxes are progressive, did you know you could eliminate taxes on tens of thousands of dollars, perhaps hundreds of thousands of dollars of taxable income? Are you doing that? Are you okay giving more money to the government rather than your family? If there was no cost or obligation to you, would you like to learn some of these strategies? Is it worth 30 or 40 minutes of your time to learn these strategies? If so, call us for an appointment. And that number's 336-391-3409. I'll say it again, 336-391-3409. You know, this year, one of the things that I did uh, to further my education along the lines of creating tax-free income is I uh, I joined uh, Ed Slot's elite uh, IRA advisor group. Now, some background on Ed. Ed is a CPA. I first took Ed's course, oh gosh, back in 2005, and really had intended uh, even back then to to join the group, and and, uh, regretfully I didn't do it. I've finally gotten around to doing it now. I think it's one of the best things that I've done for me as as far as my uh, professional uh, education goes, but also ultimately I think it's going to be one of the best things I've I've done for for my clients. Uh, Ed has become known as probably the most uh, influential and learned uh, expert on all things IRA. And Ed will tell you in a second that uh, you need to create as much tax-free income as possible. In fact, he'll tell you there's two basic tenets to, to, to what Ed preaches, if you will. Number one, make sure you don't lose any money. Number two, create as much tax-free income as you possibly can. From time to time on your local PBS station, they air Ed's, uh, it's about a two-hour show uh, where he talks about a lot of his strategies, and uh, it's a very good show. If you can if you can possibly catch it in the area when it comes around, uh, it'd be worth your while. In addition, he has a very good website that you might want to uh, go to. Uh, it's www.irahelp.com. And he's got a, a consumer uh, part of the website, and then he also has the advisor part of the website where I go, where it's more technical and detailed information about that. Uh, so that's Ed Slot, and it's irahelp.com. In addition to that, on our website at www.thewealthguardians.com, we have a lot of information as well that you can take advantage of. So back into um, this, uh, how to use this 1040 form, the tax form, in in your favor. You know, my friend Van Miller has a rule that he talks with all of his his clients about, and I've had Van on this show too, uh, but he calls it the 9815 rule. What does that mean? Basically, it says this, a married couple 
over the age of 65 who file a joint return taking the standard deduction can make $98,000 of fully taxable income and still be in the 15% tax bracket. Now, why is that important? So that means if they have qualified dividends or capital gains, then under current tax code, those qualified dividends and capital gains are taxed at zero. Let me give you an example. A couple has a $50,000 of taxable income. They have $40,000 of capital gains on their mutual fund holdings. They're worried that there'll be another stock market crash and that they'll lose money. If you explain, when we explain that we could take those gains and not pay any federal income tax because the taxable income is still under $98,000, then they could sell those mutual funds and pay no tax on those gains and redeploy those proceeds in safer positions. Now, if you knew that strategy, if that was your position, wouldn't you like to take advantage of that? Pay no tax on $40,000 of capital gains? All it takes is a little bit of pre-planning. So that's one of the things that we like to take a look at. Now let's talk a little bit more about this 9815 rule. So by doing that, <clears throat> what that means is if you're if you're a married couple and you're able to take out $41,550 of fully taxable income from age 65 to 85, then that's $831,000 of fully taxable money that you've only paid uh, about 4.5% tax on. So that means you've paid about $37,000 in taxes to get $831,000 of fully taxable income in into your account. That's one way you can start to convert some of your 401k and IRA dollars who are in that position that they'll create what we call the tax torpedo. And you might say, what, what is that? What's a tax torpedo? All right, let's talk about Social Security a little bit and how it's taxed. I think most of you realize that there's two income levels where Social Security is taxed. So we have a married couple, and let's talk about married couples. The first level is the 50% level, and that basically means that if you make $32,000 or more of what they call provisional income, then 50% of your Social Security will be taxed at whatever your marginal tax rate is. Then the next bracket is once you go over $44,000 of provisional income, then 85% of your uh, your Social Security income is going to be taxed at your marginal tax rate. Well, let's understand what provisional income is because that's kind of a new word most of us haven't heard. Provisional income is this creation um, that uh, our wonderful folks in Congress concocted when they implemented this rule back in 1982. Yeah, it came in under the Reagan administration, under the Tax Reform Act of 82. And when they implemented this, they said they had fixed Social Security forever. Ah, so much for that. Provisional income is basically you start with your adjusted gross income right off your 1040. And to that, 
you have to add half of your Social Security income, plus if you happen to have a municipal bond portfolio with so-called tax-free interest, you have to add the tax-free interest to that. Well, let's talk about what makes up adjusted gross income. What is that number? Well, the income that is counted in adjusted gross is obviously earned income. If you're out there working, maybe a part-time job or something like that, that goes right there to AGI. But how about distributions from IRAs? How about if you're lucky enough to have a pension? How about that? How about distributions from 401ks? Yeah, all that stuff is added to it. That's part of your adjusted gross income. So you can see it's not going to take a whole lot of effort to get a couple above that first threshold, that $32,000 threshold. And in fact, one of the nastiest things I think in the whole tax code is when they implemented these rules, they implemented the first level, as I said, in 1982, and then that second level where they tax 85% if you make over 44000 of provisional income, that came in under the Clinton administration in 1992. What they haven't done, and this is what I think is so dirty, is they haven't inflation-adjusted those provisional income levels. In other words, that $32,000 hasn't changed since 1982, and that $44,000 hasn't changed since 1992. If it had been inflation-adjusted to today, you're probably somewhere around $80,000 of provisional income. So you can see it's kind of a dirty little backdoor trick to force more retirees to pay more in, in taxes. So how would we get around to cutting back on this provisional income? Let's talk about what's not counted as part of your provisional income. Well, one of the things that's not counted uh, is income coming out of a Roth IRA. Now, that's pretty cool. So if you can convert your dollars to a Roth IRA and then later on you start taking the money out, it's not counted. That's kind of a double kicker, if you will, to help create lower tax levels in your retirement income. Here's another thing that's not counted. Uh, in uh, this provisional income. And that would be any income that you withdraw from a life insurance policy. Roth IRAs and life insurance are two of my very favorite ways to create tax-free income. And you might say, well, how in the world do you do uh, tax-free income out of a life insurance policy? Well, hang around. I'll tell you that little secret in, in uh, in the next segment. But I want to dig a little bit deeper in, into, into Roth IRAs. I have some software that I use for my clients that helps us figure out the best way to uh, convert an IRA. Because right now, thanks to the 2010 Tax Act, we can convert as much of our IRA to Roth as we want. In fact, there's no income caps on it. There used to be. There's income caps on how much you can contribute to a Roth but not how much you can convert. So let's start a little example, and, and, uh, and we might have to run into the end of the next segment with this example. But let's say you had $150,000 uh, at an IRA at a bank, and uh, you're interested in, in converting that over to uh, a Roth IRA. 
Now, here's another little secret I have. I know of a way to get an IRA custodian of that Roth IRA to help us pay the conversion tax on about a third of that conversion. Yeah, you heard me right. The new IRA custodian will help you pay or will pay the conversion tax on about a third of that conversion. Now, we're going to have to go to break. When I come back, I'm going to tell you how that works. And if you would like to know, give us a call at 336-391-3409. This is the Wealth Guardian Show with Doug Ray on 94.5 WPTI, the Piedmont's News, Talk, and Sports Station. WPTI, the Piedmont's News Talk Sports Station. This is the Wealth Guardian Show. My name's Doug Ray, where it's all about the health, wealth, and freedom. You need to live life your way. Today, we've been digging deep on how to create tax-free retirement income, converting tax-efficiently monies that are in a taxable IRA account, as well as uh, moving it over to the to the Roth. We talked about in the last segment about the tax torpedo, which is that nasty little uh, tax on your Social Security income and, and the provisional income and, and how uh, that rapidly uh, gets you into that extra tax bracket. And I was also giving you, at the end of the last segment, uh, an idea. We have a strategy that we use with our clients to help convert IRA dollars, taxable IRA dollars, to tax-free Roth IRA. Let's think about that Roth account a minute. That Roth account will grow tax-free. When the money comes out, it comes out tax-free. And guess what? You can pass that Roth account on to your, your spouse, then she can pass it on to your kids, and so on and so on. So you could create a tax-free, incredible, dynamic income for your family. It's a wonderful account. If you don't have a Roth account now, let me encourage you to go out and put some money in a Roth account. Put $100 in it. Put 500 Put what you can into it. Because this... You have to have a Roth account up and running for five years before you can take the money out tax-free. Okay, that's IRS code. Nothing I can do about that. So let me let me explain the situation to you. We're talking about doing a tax conversion. I'm going to give you a study here in a second. Let's say you don't have a Roth account and you're 60 years old. You take my advice. You go out. You put $100 in a Roth account on Monday morning. Now you got your Roth set up. So then you decide, okay, I'm going to start converting. You start converting over time, and you get your IRA converted over that five-year period of time. Or you wait five or six years before you do a complete conversion. Because you went out and you at least seeded your Roth IRA with $100 and got it started, 
then that counts towards your entire conversion later on to get that grandfathered effect of that five-year seasoning. You follow what I'm saying? So what I'm saying to you is if you don't have a Roth, go establish a Roth. Get it up and running with as little as you, you have to because that gives you the flexibility in the future to convert. And once you've got your five-year seasoning in, all the monies after that that you convert will be deemed seasoned and eligible for tax-free income. All right, I teased you a little bit at the end of the last segment. I said I've got a, a little secret. I've got some proprietary software that helps us figure out how much uh, uh, we can convert, and I've also got an IRA custodian that will pay the conversion tax for you. So let's go over a little scenario. Let's say we have a, uh, a gentleman who, I don't know, let's say he's uh, 68 years old. And he wants to convert some of his money to a Roth because he, he looks at uh, his IRA. He knows in a couple years that uh, he's going to have to start taking some money out of that IRA. Fortunately for this gentleman, he doesn't have to take money out now uh, to live off of. But at 70 and a half, the IRS says if you've got an IRA account, you have to take a required minimum distribution. But guess what? Roth accounts are exempt from that required minimum distribution, so he doesn't have to do that. Well, remember I said I've got some proprietary software that we plug his numbers in. We can plug your numbers in, too, your tax numbers, your income numbers, your marginal tax rate, all that stuff, and we can come up with how much we can convert this year and stay underneath the marginal next marginal tax rate. And then we've got an IRA custodian that will put that Roth account together for you and take over your old IRA account and pay the conversion tax. So John Doe, he's 68. He has $150,000 of, uh, uh, of an IRA account at a bank, and it's, a, you know, it's making nothing in a bank. So he says, all right, I want to convert this to a, a Roth IRA, or at least start the process. May not be able to do it all this year, but we'll get get it started. We run his numbers through our software, and we determine that we can convert about fifty five thousand dollars of that hundred and fifty this year to a Roth IRA. That's thirty seven percent of his IRA to a Roth, and do it tax efficiently. And then what we do is this: we open up an account with a new IRA custodian and have the monies invested in a certain fixed indexed annuity investment vehicle that this custodian will give you a 10% deposit bonus when you move the money in. And here's what happens. On the Roth side of the account, we put 55000 in, and he gets a $5,500 bonus. That's $60,500. On the regular IRA side of it, where we haven't converted the monies yet, there's $95,000 there, so he gets a bonus of $9,500. That's a total bonus of $15,000. Well, our software has already calculated how much tax will be due on this conversion. And in, 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 uh, in John Doe's case, it's about $11,871. So the IRA custodian will let you take 
some of this bonus, that $15,000 bonus, and use that to pay the tax on the Roth conversion, and with what's left over, pay the tax on the bonus that you withdrew from the account. Now, if you want to learn more about that, if you want to see if that works, if you want me to put your numbers into this calculation, and let's take a look and see if it makes sense for you and your family to do this, call me at the office. It's 336-391-3409. All right, I want to talk about another way that I like to create uh, tax-free income. And basically, I like to use a life insurance policy to do that. Now, you might say, why life insurance? Because life insurance, and Ed Slot will tell you this. We talked about Ed Slot, uh, uh, and, and his, uh, he's a CPA that promotes tax-free retirement. He'll tell you right now, life insurance is the single best uh, planning tool that we have to help us grow our funds and eliminate taxes on income. But it can't be just any old life insurance policy. It has to be a specifically designed life insurance policy. You know, most people, when you think of life insurance, you think of buying term. Um, This isn't term. You can't do this with term. Uh, Term is good insurance. Don't get me wrong. Term is good for things like, you know, premature death. If you've got debts, a mortgage, things like that, you certainly should have that covered uh, in the case of premature death. That just makes sense. But this type of life insurance has to have cash value built up. So that means basically you've got you to use either a universal life policy, a variable life policy, a whole life policy, or an indexed universal life policy. Now, let me tell you why I like to choose the indexed universal life policy. Well, let's take this, compare it to the others. If I use a, a standard universal life policy, interest rates right now are too low to support the cash value. Uh, Variable life, the risk is too high. You've got all the risk of the market. Whole life is getting better, but not quite. Interest rates are okay, but not not where I'd like them to be. If I look at history in a a well-designed index universal life policy over the past 30 years, these things have averaged close to 9% a year with no risk, no downtime, because what they're doing is they're indexing the returns to the market. So let me give you uh, an example of how I design one. Let's take a lady who is age 52, and she wants to create tax-free income when she turns 70 to support her Social Security. So in this situation, you have to design these policies to create maximum cash value growth with the least amount of death benefit. Most people think of buying the most death benefit for the least amount of cash. It's just the opposite. But the IRS tells us we have to have and maintain a certain corridor difference between the cash value and the death benefit. So over time, we've got to make sure that we don't exceed that. So in this lady's situation, she is going to deposit $20,000 a year from age 52 to age 70. That gets her a $465,000 death benefit, which, by the way, if she needs it for home health or long-term care during life, she can use it. But more importantly, that cash value is going to grow over her, over that period of time. And when she's age 70, 
and she can turn on a tax-free income of $60,000 a year for the rest of her life, and that's through the loan provision. And here's the best part. She never has to pay that loan back. When she passes away, the death benefit will pay the loan back, and then there'll be more than enough left over to pass on to beneficiaries. So again, if you want to take a look at a situation like that and see if it fits your own family and your situation, call us at 336-391-3409. This has been the Wealth Guardian Show with Doug Ray on 94.5 WPTI, the Piedmont's News Talk and Sports Station.